Jesus said, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul, with all your strength and with all your mind. And you shall love your neighbor as yourself. In the name of the one true and living God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. You may be seated. This morning, our sermon series, which we have called Hungry for Heaven, reaches its conclusion, but also it reaches its climax. We have focused on the basic principles of the kingdom of God. The first week, we addressed the call to conversion, how Jesus calls us to leave behind the allures of the world and the flesh and the devil and to look ahead to Him through the cross of His crucifixion and the saving grace He offers us, forgiveness of sins and hope of everlasting life. Last week, we observed the Great Commission, how Christians are in fact on a worldwide mission with Jesus our Lord to declare this good news of His saving grace and to go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey all that He has commanded us. And now as we come to the conclusion of this series, we reach the central concern, which does in fact involve a divine command, the most important command, if you will, the command to love the Lord our God with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength, and to love our neighbor as ourselves. But as we turn our attention to this great command and focus in on the very nature of God's love for us, it is appropriate to begin with this question. Why does God command us to love? Why is love issued to us as a command? Doesn't that go against the very nature of love itself? You see, if I love someone fully, don't I love them freely? Indeed, love is a free will offering of fidelity. If it is anything else, it's coercive and therefore not true love at all. Why then would God command us to love Him? Why does He command us to love our neighbor? Well, my friends, to formulate an answer, I'm going to start just by reading straight from Scripture, from the words of the Apostle Paul in Ephesians chapter 2, and I want to start by telling us the timeless truth of His Word, and just let that soak into our spiritual skin, if you will, because I think it has everything to say to set the context for the answer to the question. You can follow along on the screen behind me. St. Paul writes these words, As for you, As for you, you were dead in your transgressions and sins, in which you used to live when you followed the ways of this world and of the ruler of the kingdom of the air, the spirit who is at work now in those who are disobedient. He continues, All of us, all of us also lived among them at one time, gratifying the cravings of our flesh and following its desires and thoughts. He says, like the rest, we were by nature deserving of God's wrath. He continues, but because of His great love for us. Hang on these words. Because of His great love for us, God who is rich in mercy made us alive with Christ. Even when we were dead in our transgressions. It is by grace you have been saved. Paul continues, and God raised us up with Christ and seated us with Him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus. 
in order that in the coming ages He might show the incomparable riches of His grace, expressed in His kindness to us in Christ Jesus. For it is by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not from yourselves. It is the gift of God, not by works, so that no one can boast. For we are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do, Jew and Gentile reconciled through Christ. And then the great therefore. Paul is known for the great therefore. Therefore, remember that formerly you who were Gentiles by birth and called the uncircumcised by those who call themselves the circumcision, which is done in the human body by human hands, remember that at that time you were separate from Christ, excluded from citizenship in Israel and foreigners to the covenants of the promise, without hope and without God in the world. But now... In Christ Jesus, you who were once far away have been brought near by the blood of Christ. And this is the centerpiece, I think. For He Himself is our peace, who has made the two groups one and has destroyed the barrier dividing the wall of hostility by setting aside in His flesh the law with its commandments and regulations His purpose was to create in Himself one new humanity out of the two, thus making peace. And in one body to reconcile both of them to God through the cross by which He put to death their hostility. He came and preached peace to you who are far off and peace to those who are near, for through Him we both have access to the Father by one Spirit, consequently. Consequently, that is, as a result of God's love for us in Christ Jesus, He concludes, You are no longer foreigners and strangers, but fellow citizens with God's people, and also members of His household, built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, with Christ Jesus Himself as the chief cornerstone. In Him, the whole building is joined together and rises to become a holy temple in the Lord, and in Him you too are being built together to become a dwelling in which God lives by His Spirit. My friends, these are timeless truths, which in fact are even reaching into our culture right now. And I think we can lay our cultural lenses over this timeless truth and see exactly what's going on in the world. And it is this text, my friend, and others texts like it, this text in particular, it reveals to us why the call to love is issued to us as a command. And it's for this reason. It's, it's because it's the thing we don't like to admit about ourselves. It's because we, by nature, by our fallen nature, that is, we are not free. By our fallen nature, by our sinful nature, we are not free. We are in bondage to ourselves. And as Paul says elsewhere, the wages of sin is death, first physically and then spiritually. St. Paul also says it this way in Romans chapter 7. He says, I have the desire to do what is good, but I cannot carry it out. I do not do the good that I want to do, but the evil that I don't want to do, that's what I keep on doing. And Paul concludes his thoughts this way, and see if this testifies to your spirit, to my spirit, to the spirit of this age, the spirit that is looming in this world. He says, wretched man that I am, 
wretched man that I am. He says, who will save me from this body of death? And then he concludes with those immortal words, thanks be to God. Thanks be to God who delivers me through Christ Jesus our Lord. I mean, amen, breaking out everywhere, right? Thanks be to God who delivers me from this sinful body of death through the merits and the mercies of Jesus Christ our Lord. Beloved, do you see? St. Paul says plainly that we inhabit a body of death. It is because of our sinful nature that we are at enmity with God, as Paul says in Ephesians chapter 2. It is because of our sinful nature that we are at enmity with one another, as Paul also says in Ephesians chapter 2. And for this reason, Paul says in Ephesians chapter 2, we are deserving of His wrath. Therefore, this is the reason, beloved, that God's call comes first as a command. This is why it comes first as a command. It is a command that acts, if you will, as a divine stop sign. Let's put that image in our minds as a divine stop sign. It's meant to arrest us, if you will, to stop us in our tracks, to save us from one another, and ultimately to save us from ourselves. And my beloved, this is what God's spiritual stop sign looks like. This is what it looks like if you'll advance the slide. That's God's spiritual stop sign. It is Jesus Christ on the hardwood of the cross. And my friends, it's hard to look at, isn't it? It's hard to look at. But this is what our human hostility does to God. And this is what our human hostility does to man. For Jesus Christ is fully God, and Jesus Christ is the perfect man. Therefore, this is what human hostility has done to both God and to man. We have crucified Him as we kill one another. Look at the divine stop sign that God has created for us. What's it saying to you right now? What's it saying to us? What's it saying to the world? One thing it's saying for sure is, stop doing this to me. Stop doing this to me, God says. And stop doing this to one another. Look to me, He says from the cross, and be saved. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. This, my friends, is the whole point of the parable of the Good Samaritan. It's not about how religious we appear on the outside. It's about the relationship we have on the inside. Is God first in our lives? Is God first in our love? My friends, in the end, the command to love is simply a spiritual stop sign in the shape of the cross. It is first to look up to Jesus, to look up to Him hanging high upon the cross and see His merits and His mercies, His love poured out to us as grace for the forgiveness of our sins. It is then to look down, to look down into the depths of our heart, to examine our own soul, 
to see what our priorities are. Who is it that we really love? Who is it that we really love? And then, and only then, will we properly be able to look out at our neighbors. And yes, there are political implications in what I'm about to say, both to the people to the left of us and the people to the right of us. For once we have looked up into the loving eyes of Jesus and looked down into the depth of our own soul, no longer will we need to be commanded, but we will be compelled because of His grace to look out at our neighbor and to love. So how do we start this loving relationship with Jesus? Where do we start and what do we do? I want to offer these devotional ideas to us from renowned theologian Oswald Chambers. Perhaps you know him. He says that all of God's truths, all of God's revealed truths are sealed until they are open to us through one word, obedience. All of God's revealed truths are sealed and open to us by obedience. You will never open them through philosophy or thinking, but once you obey, a flash of light comes upon you. Let God's truth work into you by immersing yourself in it, not by worrying your way into it. The only way you can get to know the truth of God is to stop trying to find out and simply to be born again. If you obey God in the first thing He shows you, and what is the first thing He shows you? His command to love. His command to love. That's the first thing He shows us, is His command to love. If you obey God in the first thing He shows you, He opens up the next truth, and the next truth, and the next truth, and the next truth. Chambers continues, you could read volumes on the work of the Holy Spirit when five minutes of total uncompromising obedience would make things as clear as sunlight. Don't say to yourselves, someday I will understand these things. You can understand them now. And it is obedience that brings understanding. Look up and see Jesus hanging on the cross. Look down into the depth of your own soul, and then look out to the care and the concern of your neighbor. My friends, how much farther must we ask God to reach out His hands to us than He already has by them being nailed to the hardwood of the cross? How much more must we ask God to journey towards us than when He placed His feet upon the platform to receive the nails of His crucifixion? And how much more, my friends, must we ask God to show us His heart than when the sword pierced His side and blood and water gushed out down upon the very earth that He created, the clay that He formed into Adam. Powerful symbolism. If we want to see true change in this world, then it is the church who must obey these commands first. We are the ones who must take the faithful steps of obedience each and every day, each and every moment, to love Him in return for the love that He has shown to us, and then we will know what it means to be saved. And in turn, and in time, the world will come to know it also.
And behold, a lawyer stood up to put Jesus to the test, saying, Teacher, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus said to him, What is written in the law? How do you read? The lawyer replied, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind and with all your strength, and you shall love your neighbor as yourself. And Jesus looked at him in love, and he said to them, to him, You have answered correctly. Do this. Do this. Do this. And you will live. To God be the glory now and forever. Amen. Amen.